Welcome to the September 23rd regular board meeting of the Shawnee Mission School District Board of Education. Um, calling to order and our first item of business is the Mill Creek Elementary students and their principal, Dr. Lord, leading us in the Pledge of Allegiance. United States of America, public for which it stands, for God, indivisible, with all. Sixth grade. My name is Julia Dunn and I am in sixth grade. My name is Riley Barnett and I'm in sixth grade. My name is Penelope Alonzo and I am in sixth grade. My name is Madison Parker and I'm in sixth grade. My name is Sam Schill and I'm in sixth grade. My name is Jackson Thompson and I'm in fifth grade. My name is Cleo Shaver and I'm in sixth grade. My name is Sophia Reagan and I'm in fifth grade. My name is Louisa, I am in fifth grade. Music teacher. <laughs> Thank you so much, you guys. You did a great job. I thought we might get a song or something since we have a choir here. Darn. I'm going to seek a motion to adopt the agenda for the evening. So moved. Second. Second. So that was Deb moving and Patty seconding. All in favor? Oh, no. Me. Oh, Sarah. Sarah. Sorry. Sarah? We do morning. sound all alike, Terry. Sorry about that. Um, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Passes 6-0. Um, and then a motion for the approval of the minutes from the September 9th meeting. So moved. Second. Moved by Patty and seconded by Mary, right? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Passes 6-0. And then approval of minutes from the um, board meeting on September 16th last Monday. Move approval. Second. So Sarah moved and Mary seconded. And all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Six zero. Okay, and so then we'll move on to item 2.1, the superintendent report. Okay, well, thank you very much. Well, our community is hard at work putting the strategic plan into action. Multiple task forces have recently begun their work, and I'll be providing an update on that a little bit later on. Last week, district and school site councils met to review the district's strategic plan and to begin their planning for the futures. Site councils are playing a, an important role in shaping the implementation of the plan across the district and particularly in customizing the plan to their school community. Last week also marked the first meeting of the Real World Learning Task Force. Shawnee Mission has joined 15 other school districts to reimagine college and career readiness for high school students. The task force includes staff, parents, administrators, community members, business leaders, and college and university representatives. It is supported by a grant from the Ewing Marion Kaufman Foundation. Part of their work will be to develop plans to equip students with market value assets for work and learning beyond high school, including internships, college credit, industry-recognized credentials, and entrepreneurial experiences. So we look forward to the work of that group. Well, the idea of equity is woven throughout our strategic plan, and two weeks ago, we had more than 220 educators from across the district gather to take part in deep equity professional development. The training is focused on personal culture and journey, growth toward cultural competence, and connecting adult cultural competence with student outcomes. This is part of uh, the working toward our goals and strategy, strategy two, st which states, that we will relentlessly create a unified, equitable, and inclusive culture. So we'll have more updates later on on that work. 
Next week, we will hold the first in a series of five community forums focused on facilities. Community members will be invited to learn about district facility planning and needs and provide input for the district facilities task force to review. The first meeting is at 5 p.m. on October 1st at Shawnee Mission East. It will be held in an open house style where you're free to come and go at any time between 5 and 6.30 p.m. If you can't make it to that one, we'll have four more open to anyone in the community to attend. And there's a link uh, to those forums on the website. And again, we'll include that in the recap and also be showing you the link later on this evening. We're all working together to ensure that each student has a personalized learning plan that supports students in being college and career ready and having the interpersonal skills they need for life success. So I'm glad to see so many of our community engaged in this work, making sure that this strategic plan doesn't just sit on the shelf, but lives in our hearts and in our minds. The Kansas um, Art Education Association will honor Alyssa Pasmore, Hawker Grove Middle School art teacher. She will be recognized for her excellent work in the classroom. The Outstanding Middle Level Art Educator of the Year Award will be presented to Passmore in October. She is honored for her dedication to the growth of her profession and the advancement of high quality art education. She recently worked to create a community-based mural with the help of students and more than 100 community members. Congratulations to her. The National Merit Program named 14 Shawnee Mission seniors as semifinalists in the 2020 National Merit Scholarship Program. The 2018 Preliminary SAT National Merit Scholarship Qualifying Test served as the initial screen for program entrance. Now these students will advance in competition for National Merit Scholarship Awards, which are worth about $31 million. And those will be offered next spring. We will include a link to the names of these students in the board recap. We congratulate them, their family members, and teachers on this outstanding accomplishment. Our Board of Education has proclaimed September as Suicide Prevention Month, joining in efforts across the country to share resources and raise awareness about suicide prevention. This is an important issue for all of us, and I want to take a brief moment as the month continues to talk about the Zero Reasons Why campaign. As you might recall, all school districts in Johnson County joined together to engage in deeper dialogue and identify ways to collaborate in order to prevent suicide. One of the outcomes of that collaboration is the Zero Reasons Why Community Mobilization Campaign, which is designed to prevent teen suicide. School communities and teens have joined in the effort in a variety of ways, including opening conversation on social media and holding mental awareness and suicide prevention conferences and events throughout the community. Some of the most important conversations have given adults in our community an opportunity to hear from students on how we can best support them when it comes to mental health and preventing suicide. In recent weeks, the campaign has held a banner toward high schools and middle schools, engaging students in discussion and connecting them with information about how they can find support. We're so grateful for these partnerships in our community particularly because it has helped us all better connect to save and support life through awareness, education, and outreach. 
So it's an exciting effort that's going on countywide. Connected to that and supporting students in their social emotional learning is, a, is Panorama. As you know, one of our strategic plan objectives is to help each student develop the interpersonal skills they need to be engaged, empathetic members of society. Several months ago, the Board of Education approved the Panorama Social Emotional Learning Platform to help us garner information regarding social and emotional experiences and needs that support our students and this objective. This work launches this month and family members have been seeing information about the platform and how it will be used in recent weeks. We appreciate the work of Dr. John McKinney, Director of Student Family Services, along with a team of administrators, counselors, and social workers who are working to provide this valuable resource uh, in our schools. So we'll provide further information about that in a future meeting. Well, it is our 50th anniversary. And so here's tonight's fact. At this year's Shawnee Mission Education Foundation Breakfast, Many stories were shared from Shawnee Mission graduates and alumni. These stories and other interviews are being shared on our SMSD StoryCorps page. This page will grow and expand throughout the year as we interview and share our founding mothers and fathers stories. And we're going to include a link to that to the recap. So the story tonight is, here's where you find all the stories. How's that? <laughs> Not quite as exciting as past. We'll have more in the future. We're thrilled to celebrate two educators in our district who are being honored for their outstanding work as educators. Two of our teachers were recently honored at the Kansas Teacher of the Year Region 3 Banquet. This honor recognizes excellence in classrooms across the state of Kansas at the elementary and secondary level. Tonight, we also recognize them as Shawnee Mission All-Stars. So I invite Jeremy Higgins, principal at Shawnee Mission North, to introduce our first honoree this evening. Good evening, everyone. Uh, obviously, I'm happy to be here this evening uh, to be able to recognize one of our outstanding educators at Shawnee Mission North High School. Uh, Mrs. Natalie Johnson-Berry, affectionately known as Miss JB, is a member of our English Language Arts Department. Um, and as was just mentioned, she was the district secondary nominee uh, for the Kansas Teacher of the Year. Now, that distinction alone would definitely qualify her to be the district um, all-star. Um, but I would argue that it's not the most important attribute that qualifies her as being the district all-star. Uh, Miss JB is one of the most caring and compassionate educators that I've had the fortune to work alongside. And it's that caring and compassionate attitude that she brings to her students and her colleagues on a, on a daily basis that truly qualifies her as an all-star. So, Ms. JB, congratulations. We at Shawnee Mission North um, are so very proud of you, and I know um, throughout the district they are as well. So, I think we have a short video. moving a little bit and maybe switching around your part. Oh, go ahead. Go. Natalie goes above and beyond every day. She's got this endurance to her. She's several years into her career and she just brings it every day. Most people like that she's really kind and she pays a lot of attention to people. You won't go unnoticed in that class and 
She's, she's very outgoing and sweet and kind to everyone. She wants to make you happy. She acts more as a facilitator in the room. She gives them the tools that they need in order to succeed and then is able to sit back and facilitate their learning as opposed to always do direct instruction all the time. And I really respect that as a teacher. We talk a lot about here at North people being genuine. I think Natalie embodies that among a number of other things. She's a genuine person. What you see is what you get. She does not turn herself away from anyone. Whatever help students need, staff needs, whatever, Natalie is there. She pours herself into this job and this place, and people definitely recognize and appreciate her for that. Ms. Johnsonberry has inspired me in numerous ways. At the end of my freshman year, I noticed that because of the political climate, diversity and equality was not something that was very prevalent in this school, and I felt as if that was an issue. She inspired me to get involved and to take action. Because of that, I founded the Black Student Union at the school, and I've won a national award for doing so. We appreciate you so much. We appreciate the energy that you bring. We appreciate how well you love and teach the kids at North. Congratulations. You deserve it. JB, we are uh, very proud of you. Uh, we're, we're very lucky to have you uh, as a colleague, as a staff member, as a teacher here at Shiny Mission North, and uh, just tremendously proud of, of everything that you do and your accomplishments. She shows me how kind people can be and how important that is. I don't know. I, I want to be like her, for sure. Come on up, JB. speak. <laughs> okay. So um, I'm just really overcome with emotion once again. Um, part of the legacy that I want to leave for my students, my family, just anyone here on earth is that we can conquer our personal grindles. And I'm using a grindle reference because in my senior English classes we talked about what are your grindles in life? What are the monsters? And one of mine was fear of never doing anything important or special and how we have to keep trying every day. We have to push past that grindle in life. And so to be here today up in front of everyone, it makes me feel like that I am definitely challenging that grindle. Thank you so much. I mean, I am truly humbled. You never know. <laughs> Well, congratulations again, and I want to tell you that uh, at the Region 3 ceremony, Shawnee Mission was so proudly represented by our wonderful educators. Thank you. And so we have one more to recognize tonight. I want to invite Chris Lowe, principal at Corinth Elementary, to introduce our next all-star, who also is one of eight finalists in the state for Kansas Elementary Teacher of the Year. Good evening. Uh, I want to thank the board and Shining Mission for taking time to recognize the work of our teachers. So I'm very proud and honored to have Mrs. Molteni be recognized as one of the September All-Stars. Uh, Mrs. Molteni is a second grade teacher at Corinth Elementary, and as you've heard, um, she was the Shawnee Mission School District Elementary Teacher of the Year, and last week she was named as a finalist for Region 3, making her one of eight teachers going on to the state level um, for Kansas Teacher of the Year. Um, 
we are very lucky to have Melissa as a teacher at Corinth. She cares about all the students. Um, she engages students in meaningful learning, connects learning to real-world events, and she encourages students to take ownership of their learning and demonstrate their knowledge through student-generated projects. And that happens every day. I think today I walked in there and students were creating their own books, um, games, activities. So we appreciate everything she does. So, Melissa, thank you for your service to our profession every day. We appreciate you. Melissa is an all-star because she just goes way above and beyond with all of her students, with all of the staff. She is so engaging and fun and warm and kind. Everything she does, she puts 100% into, um, whether that's caring for others or the way that she runs her classroom or morning milers or any of the many things that she's involved in. Uh, Miss Teddy never sits down. She is constantly up, interacting with kids. Students in her classroom are constantly working on projects that they've created. You know, Mrs. Molteni is very passionate about project-based learning. When something goes on in our community or in our country or across the globe, she uses Twitter in a way that helps the students see the things that are going on. And then she has the kiddos problem solve about what's going on. Melissa, each morning, gets um, in the gym and walks to music with students. She just thought that students being active and engaged was so important to their learning. She's just a super fun go-getter. You, you got to do like super fun activities and stuff. She is a really good teacher. She explains everything. I just like coming to school because of her. I think she's one of the best teachers because she keeps reassuring you that it's okay, that it's fine to mess up. Her class was just always so bright and cheery that it always made my day. What they're really going to remember is that relationship and how she cared about them. And I think that's what travels with them and what they really remember is just that she truly cares. Way to go, Melissa. You're making Corinth proud. You definitely deserve this award. It's so awesome that you got recognized. Melissa, congratulations on being the Shrine Mission School District All-Star. And also, good luck in November when you go to the state level for the Kansas Teacher of the Year. I'm so glad you won, and I'm really happy for you. Thank you, Melissa, for everything that you've done for me and for your kids. I cannot think of anyone more deserving of the All-Star Award. Thank you so much for this recognition. The, the big kids on the video were in my kindergartner, kindergarten classroom six years ago, so it's fun to, to see what they remember about me. Thank you so much. I wouldn't be here without this awesome team back here from Corinth, so thank you and my family. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Well, Congratulations to all those recognized this evening, and uh, that concludes my report. Um, so we'll move on to 2.02, which was the strategic planning update. Well, good evening. Mike Fulton, superintendent, just for the record. <laughs> uh, well, tonight I want to do what really is going to be a series of ongoing brief updates on the strategic plan to kind of keep you up to speed on what's happening in time. And then, of course, we'll do quarterly reports that'll be more detailed. 
But tonight, I want to kind of frame out where we are this year. You know, when you, when you go on a trip, you know your destination, right? You know where you're heading. And that's where we are. We, we have our destination set, and we find that destination in our three objectives. Every child's going to have a personalized learning plan that helps them be college and career ready and gives them the interpersonal skills that they need for life success. That's our destination. But in order to get to our destination, there's a lot of preliminary work that we have to do. Just like on a trip, you don't just take off with no wallet or purse, right? You've got to have, like, gas money, <laughs> assuming you're in a car. Uh, you have to think about different resources that you might need. It might be food. It, it, you've got to have a map or GPS or something that guides you along the way. And so that's kind of where we are at the moment is we're going to spend time this year charting the course and preparing for the journey. We're going to prepare for the journey by bringing together various groups to really look at data, research, and problem solve around important uh, preparatory steps that we need to take in order to create our map and also make sure that we have the tools that we need to be successful in that journey. And you see the manifestation of that charting of the course and things like our uh, staff work groups. All of these are found in the action steps. We have curriculum cadres, for example, that are going to be looking at our, our priority standards and our, our common assessments and begin to say, ask the question of what are the most important competencies on which we need to really focus to make sure that our kids are making this journey toward college and career readiness. We talked earlier about deep equity training, the fact that that's going to be a multi-year process of engaging all of our staff and learning around cultural proficiency so that when we're working with students in the classroom or in any other way in which we interact with them, we have the skills we need to help them be academically successful and also help them develop the interpersonal skills they need for life success. We have, we talked about panorama, and that goes into that social emotional learning support that we want to provide. There's professional development that we're going to be looking at, and then, of course, teacher planning and collaboration. And we've talked about the notion of teachers having more time to get together, plan lessons, build relationships with students. And so there's a lot of just preliminary research and data that has to be gathered around these important, uh, around these important ideas, and we're going to spend time diligently working on those. There are also some district task forces that are at work. We'll be uh, forming a personalized learning task force. We already have the real-world learning task force that started. We have a task force that's going to focus on recruitment and hiring practices, and they'll especially look at equity. How do we create a more diverse workforce in a systemic and sustained way? And then how do we, uh, what do we do with our facilities long term? And I want to spend just a little bit of time updating you on where we are with our facilities task force. We created this chart for uh, community awareness of how these processes connect. You know, we started last year with our strategic plan. The board commissioned it. We formed a steering committee. They identified the, the objectives, beliefs, mission, parameters, and the five strategy areas. One of those five strategy areas was on facilities. So we brought together a group of uh, folks from around the district, a representative group, 
to do some work around facilities, and they came up with some ideas. That same group has now migrated from being the, an action planning team under Strategy 5 to now being the district facilities task force, same people. They then took their work, reviewed it at a, at a meeting recently, uh, just to remind themselves of where they were, and since that was an open public meeting, kind of inform people about that. We'll go into that presentation in a second. And, uh, and they are the ones who are going to help oversee the five community forums. That'll happen in October. They'll come back and uh, after those are done, and they'll review the data. When they're done with that data, they'll bring it to me. And I'll, at that point, then with all of this information in front of us, we'll be able to take stock of where we are, think about what next steps might be, and then begin to develop a path forward for what we want to do uh, with our facilities plan, and particularly as it relates to any kind of potential bond issue. So that gives you a sense of timeline. If you go to the link, and by the way, this, this is on the... Uh, this is on the board doc site now. So anybody going to that can click on that link. It takes you right to our district webpage. And on our district webpage, we have a district facilities task force uh, section. It lays out everything I just described to you in detail. It talks about the presentation. I'll come back to that in a second. And it gives you the information in more detail about the informational forms. Now let's go to that link here on the PowerPoint presentation. I want to walk through some of the details with you. We have in Shawnee Mission School District, as you well know, a lot of facilities. <laughs> and we're celebrating 50 years. That's great. That means we have a number of older facilities. We have some very new facilities, which is also wonderful. But we have a lot of facilities to take care of, and so this gives you a uh, an understanding of what those fields are we going to that here it's not going up on the screen you click on that Terry well she's pulling that up oh. alright we're having a little bit of a technology glitch while David's working on there we go there we go okay thank you stay close how many did you get <laughs> know your strengths <laughs> um, all right so this is so this is the website and again for the sake of uh, the board here's the information on the on the informational forms all right so now we're going to try to see go to the website the powerpoint presentation okay very good these are all the facilities that we have in the district and then as I scroll through this, you'll see it has specific information about the 2015 bond issue. All the buildings, the projects that were done. It's difficult to read. You have to blow it up on your screen. Um, so there are a lot of work has been done to, to, over the years to keep our facilities in good shape. But we know that facilities is an, an ongoing issue. And so we worked with an architect to do a site evaluation. We specifically looked at the 10 oldest elementary schools. We, we didn't make any kind of a judgment about which one was in better shape or worse shape. We just wanted to look at the 10 oldest facility buildings and, 
and get them evaluated. We also looked at the high schools and middle schools, Horizon, the Early Childhood Center. You can see some of the criteria that were used there in that evaluation process. Now, these evaluation processes are thorough and the reports are quite long. I do want to make you aware that we will, in the next few days, be adding to the website all of, the, all of that detail so that everybody can go on and look and see what's there. Now, in the course of deciding which facilities most need to re be replaced and in what order, I want to just remind you that we looked at all of the criteria, not just one. So that includes things like the educational adequacy of the environment. Some facilities may be in equally good or poor shape, but one facility may have a greater need in the educational adequacy area than another. Say, maybe one school has very small classrooms, another one has bigger classrooms. So all of these factors uh, have to be weighed and then some decisions made about what to do next. And so what you'll see on this uh, report is we have three schools that have been identified for a potential rebuild. Now let me just stop there for a second. We have the potential for about $177 million in bonding capacity if we go out for a no tax rate increase bond issue. There are no assumptions given here about what we are actually going to do. That's why we're having the public forums. But what we have done is we provided enough detail that people can go through, begin to understand what's there, and the why behind it. So you see, when we have $177 million, it is a lot of money, but in a district our size, it goes quickly. So you can see on there that there's the potential for three rebuilds, along with a number of other just ongoing uh, updates and maintenance concerns that we need to address. But we, that's helpful. That's what a no tax rate increase bond issue could potentially look like. But what about the next bond issue? Well, we went ahead and projected out to 2026. At that point, we would have around $125 million in bonding capacity, and that would also involve the assumption of a no tax rate increase. And here you begin to see what might be possible in that, under that scenario. You see a couple of buildings identified for rebuilds and the usual things like HVAC, lighting, etc. But that's not all, because in total, there's over $600 million in need. So we've identified another $330 million beyond what could potentially be on a list for the next two bond issues that are real needs. We've identified them now and going forward. So this gives, I think, the community a very real sense of where we are with our communities, what current and future needs are, and what that might cost. Do you have any questions for me? A concern, which I have uh, spoken about in the past, and I thought this might be a good opportunity to bring it back up. Um, you know, it's, it is great to um, put out what is being considered, um, but the Board of Education has the final vote. And this has happened a couple times in the past on some major things that have come before the Board of Education. And we, as a board, don't even discuss it until it comes before us. 
So for example, in this situation, the task forces are all meeting, which is great. We love, I mean, having community input is awesome. But it gets to the point where it's built up to the point that by the time it gets to us, it's in concrete. To, that's a little bit of a pun here on construction, but yeah. it, you can't change it. And, and that's very difficult. We, the seven of us are elected from our areas. And um, it, time and time, it, this been, as I said, it's happened a couple times, and it's very, very frustrating that you can't even tweak a little bit because everything has been um, put in front of you as this is what we want, and that's it. That's the only thing. So could you maybe speak to that a little bit? Sure. Well, that goes back to the process. I mean, right now what we're trying to do is identify what's possible and giving, some, giving a scenario on what might be. We, we need to go through the community input process, obviously, to, to see where the, how the community feels about this. And then once we get all of that data at a certain point, obviously the board is going to need to interact with all of this information and make a decision on not only uh, when we might go out for a potential bond issue, but importantly, what we will put on that list and ultimately approve whatever it is that we go out for. So there's still a fair amount of process work yet to do. And we are very sensitive to that. At the end of the day, it's the board's decision. Uh, um, uh, the questions I have are more around process. Again, I appreciate you elaborating a bit on that um, tonight. So in the, the criteria that have been established to provide an example of how we might move forward with the bond issue. For, so in the first one, the $177 million, there are a number of criteria that identified three elementary schools and some projects. And those criteria were established through work of, of experts who understand, can you speak to that a little bit about sure. how that initial process and how the district has been, how the district task force kind of uh, the criteria that they used, that has been used by the district leadership to, I, to come up with a working plan. Absolutely, and let me, let me start by saying this. It's pretty typical in any bond issue to have an analysis done of your buildings to identify what are the, what are the most important needs that we have right now that we need to make sure and address. And many of those things go back to things like roofs, windows, HVAC, because they're just givens, right? You have to do this on your house as well. Um, you got to make sure you have a roof. <laughs> that takes priority over most other things. So a lot of them are just givens that we have to address. I think where you really begin to get into uh, some of the, the deeper analysis is when you start talking about uh, either replacing or renovating buildings, and you begin to do cost-benefit analysis mm -hmm. on those kinds of issues. And so that is, is uh, in this case, largely a function of if we were to engage in doing those kinds of things, here's the best thinking at the moment on what might happen first. That's where you get those three buildings. Because you're going through and you're analyzing all, you know, those 10 oldest buildings and saying of those 10 buildings, which ones need replacement first, if we were to do that, why? That goes back to your criteria. And then that's how they find their way on the list. Can you make it another, you know, can you, can you make it a different building? Well, you, you can, 
Um, but at the end of the day, you have multiple buildings that have needs. But these were the three based on those criteria that rose at the top. That, that all of that work is a function of uh, the architectural review, staff going through and, and taking that review and analyzing the data. But in this case also, the action planning team, that was part of strategic planning, also looking at that data and saying, here's what we think probably is a good starting point for a potential bond issue. And the, I was not able to attend that meeting where the action planning team kind of presented their, um, their analysis of the district task force work. Is that something that we can find out more about or the... There's, they really all, what they did at that meeting really is they just, they went through the report that you're seeing right here. Okay. So that was, that was the essence of the meeting. The thing that you, that you don't have that everyone will have uh, shortly is that detailed architectural analysis. Now there's a lot of detail there and it may interest you, it may not, but that kind of gives you some of the, some of the rationale, the, the, the data, if okay. you will, on the why. Uh, one last question. Right. Um, and so the first meeting at the high school area will be October 1st. So there looks like the schedule is for Tuesday evenings for about an hour to come and talk. So if the first one is at, say, the it's, I believe it's at East, East Area, area mm -hmm. High School, should those questions be pertaining to that particular area? Or if somebody has a question about they live in the oh. West Area and they have a question about their West Area schools and that's the only meeting they can attend is the October 1st one. Can you speak to that a little bit? Great question. Uh, we will have a big picture overview of all of the potential bond issue projects at each of the meetings so you can come and get a nice overview. Uh, we're working on a video that will provide some insight on that. But you will also be able to go into more depth in that attendance area. So that if you attend the East one, you'll get to see, well, what's really happening at a deeper level in the East area? And then we'll do the same thing for all of the other high school attendance areas as well. But you would have an opportunity, if you go to any of these, to get a big picture overview of what's happening uh, potentially with a bond issue. And to share your questions or Absolutely. thoughts or experiences yep. Yep. that would get rolled into the the larger picture of information being collected? There will be a uh, formal process for uh, folks to provide their input. And then we'll take all that data, we'll theme it out, and we'll use that as guidance for what we might do in terms of next steps. Okay. Um, just looking at this bond issue, which was the total of $175 million, was that it, with no of no right. tax increase. 177 is what we're projecting. Okay. That's not that's not set in stone. That's based on our current estimate, but it's right. but it's in that range. It's in that range. And I think, you know, I think probably having been through the last bond issue, people are used to seeing, oh, there's an elementary rebuild in each of the five attendance areas. But I just want to kind of play a reminder that that was 223 million dollar bond issue. So this one is significantly less and building a new building is increasing costs every every year or every time you go to rebuild. So that's exactly right. It's expensive, and like I said, 177 million goes really fast when you have as many buildings as we do, uh, with the age of a number of our buildings. Right. And and you know to be candid, for our middle schools and our high schools, 
the idea of rebuilding them is rather daunting. So it's important that we maintain those at a high quality so that they're great learning environments for our students. Absolutely. Right. Well, I just kind of wanted to point that one out that since, you know, and I know that those of most need, just like you pointed out, the needs of the size of the classrooms or whatever might bring them to the top of the list a little more than others. It will. You know, we'll look at, we will look at everything from facility layout, class um, capacity, capacity both in terms of size of rooms, but also capacity of the building and what future needs might be. Right. Thank you. Anybody else? Oh, okay. Okay. One more. Kind of circling back, I think almost to Patty's question. So we have these forums at all of the high schools. We've gathered a lot of information. The district has gone through a thorough analysis. The strategic action planning team has reviewed. We've collected data from the high schools. We have this information. Can you speak to maybe what we could be doing next? Sure. Or what the board would expect as next steps? What you could expect after that point is all of that information will come to me. I'll have a chance to kind of understand where we are in the big picture of things. And at that point, then we can begin to talk about what our next steps might be. And there could be a wide range. It, maybe we get information back and we need to do more study in a certain area. Uh, we could get it back and there seems to be widespread support for moving forward with either what we have on paper or some modification thereof. So we're prepared. To, um, to really go where the data take us. And if we need to do additional process steps, then we'll slow it down and we'll do additional process steps. Because what's important is, is that we get it right. It won't be perfect. You'll never get complete agreement on, what, on both process and outcome, right? Uh, but we should be in uh, the right range of reasonableness in terms of what we're going to achieve with the, with the next bond issue. Okay. Thank you, and thank you to the, all of the team who helped get us to this point. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Dr. Fulton, can you explain a little bit why we would be wanting to do and what the advantages of doing the 2020 bond would be? Well, that is an important idea, and we're going to talk about this more a little bit later, but in any school district's bonding capacity, you reach a point where in order to maintain the current tax rate, uh, you have to have a certain amount of bonding capacity there. And, and uh, Russ can go into a lot more detail on this if you'd like for him to. But if you allow that to slip to a certain level, then you begin to lose bonding capacity. And the only way you get it back is by doing a tax rate increase. So, Russ, I don't know if you want to provide more detail on that. Did that? I have to check the expert over my shoulder. But, <laughs> but no, it's a, it's a very simple idea. And so if you wait too long, then you lose bonding capacity. And therefore, to get that same $177 million, it would require you to go out for a tax rate increase because you have to capture it back. Um, and that's why a lot of districts, but particularly a district of any size, it's really important to keep bond issues happening on a regular basis so that you don't get in a position where things have um, gotten to a point where you have to go out for a tax rate increase all the time on your bonds. Plus, there's always ongoing maintenance that you have to do. You know what happens if you let things go too long. Then you do catch up 
And we've done a great job of keeping up with things, and we still have $600 million worth of work to do. You're welcome. Is that everybody? We're good. Thank you, Dr. Fulton. Thank you. Thank you. Moving on to board reports, and I think um, up first is Patty Mack with SMAC. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, well, October 1st is a busy night in the school district after you go to Shawnee Mission East. Um, if you would like, please come here to the Center for Academic Achievement in the boardroom um, because the Shawnee Mission Area Council PTA is hosting the board candidate forum. Um, my understanding from the um, SMAC uh, co-president is that all of the candidates will be attending. It is from 6.30 to 8.30. And Kyle Palmer from KCUR will be the moderator. So all are welcome, and that's 6.30 to 8.30 on Tuesday, October the 1st. Um, and then the second um, announcement that I have is on October the 7th is the general meeting of the Shawnee Mission Area Council PTA. And our Director of Health Services, Shelby Rebeck, will be um, giving a seminar, a talk on vaping. Um, and that is at, do we have a time on that? Is that at 6.30 as well? It's at 7 o'clock here at the Center for Academic Achievement. That's all I have. Thank you. Um, and KASB Board of Directors, Reverend Guy? There is a roundtable this Thursday night at Olathe again um, in their administrative building. There was one several months ago that several of us attended, so there's another one this Thursday with different topics. Uh, I believe it starts dinner at 5.30 and maybe 6 o'clock for the roundtable. So if you have not registered for that, please let Mrs. Wintering know um, to get registered for that. And if you also have not registered for the annual conference, you need to do that as well. Um, and it, as I said, they were uh, organizing all of their offerings for all the different workshops that they do. And so if there are certain topics that you're interested in, go to their website, see where they're being offered, and uh, let Mrs. Wintering know if you want to attend any of those as well. Thank you. Um, Dr. Sinclair with the KSB Legislative and Government Relations Network. Um, no new update. Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, and then Ms. Goodburn, uh, Policy Review Committee update. Sure. Um, tonight on our agenda, under Action Item 5, you'll see um, that GAOC and JCDAA um, are up for second readings, and so we'll address those later. Um, our next policy, our monthly policy um, committee meeting is October 10th. And as I said last week, we will start considering um, probably policies in J, which is students, and G, which is staff, um, next up. So that's what we'll be looking at. Thank you. So it looks like we're moving on to the board financial report. Yes, and, oops, sorry. SNAP will provide us with an overview of the six funds and a more detailed report. <clears throat> Well, good evening. The, as you can, the attached to the board docs is the board financial reports, and that is as of August 31st. Um, there's really nothing to report out on those. It's been business as usual for the first two months. Um, so I like to take this opportunity. You, you've seen this slide. 
last year. We've updated it for 1920 as we approved the board, approved the budget last August. Uh, so this slide has been updated. Um, and we tend to focus on our su supporting our operating funds because that runs our day-to-day -day operations. These funds are unrestricted and this is what we use to pay our salary and benefits, student transportation, utilities. Uh, it makes up about $242.8 million of our total budget of about $400 million. Um, the major revenue sources for these funds are your general state aid, special education state aid, and then your local taxes via the local option budget. So this is kind of where we do all our focuses on our operating budget because it runs the day-to-day. -day. Um, the other four types of funds that we have are all restricted in nature. They're restricted because of either state statute or federal grant or the revenue source itself if it's a gift. Um, or if it's a fee like the textbook rental fund. So if you, if you charge a textbook fee, you gotta buy textbooks with it. So they're all restricted. So the other big area is that capital outlay and the bond debt that ties into the facilities um, task force that Dr. Fulton just talked about. Those are your sources of funding to take care of those needs. The capital outlay is a local tax. Um, we can uh, we can go no higher than eight mills. That handles a lot of our day-to-day -day functions and it's restricted for these purposes here. We do a lot of our repairs, um, technology, our, our uh, Apple devices are paid for out of the capital outlay funds. Uh, and again, some bigger projects like renovations. But then when we get to the bigger projects that Dr. Fulton mentioned in the, from the facilities, we would go out and do a bond, and if we're successful, then we'll use the, uh, the bond debt fund to retire the principal and interest on that fund. So uh, we have a good history of maintaining the mill levy when we go out for that, um, and that's the funds that we would use to pay off that debt, and it's restricted for those purposes. And then we got the flow-throughs and the federal dollars and then all our self-supported funds that are driven by fees. Um, do you have any questions for me? Just wanted to bring you kind of up to date on this slide. No, thank you. Well, I okay. guess I don't, I didn't see anybody put their hand up. No, but there's Mary. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you know it, how did, when we would know what the date would be for the 2020 bond? Like, is there a drop dead kind of date when we would need to determine whether or not we have uh, to do election? We have a we have a tentative date with the Johnson County Election Office of March. I, I'm um, more specifically, if we didn't make that window, when would we lose bonding capacity? Oh, do you is what's the mechanism for ter determining that um, window? Well, you retire debt each year, and that that increases your bonding capacity, but it also jeopardizes the, the mill levy that Dr. Fulton was talking about, having that mill levy authority up at that level. We probably have another uh, 1920, 2021 budget year, we would retire some debt and be able to maintain that mill levy through 2021. Okay, thank you. Okay. That would be pushing it, right? Yeah, yeah. okay. All right, thank you. Yeah. Okay, so it, it'd be a year from now when we go through that budget process in August. Okay. okay. I might add this too. You know, one of the things that we'll do when, as we go through this process is I'll bring forward information on w when we get to a point where we feel like we're ready or want to go out for a, a potential bond issue, 
Yeah, we'll walk through the board, the process of doing that. There are certain timelines that you have to hit. You have to get reserved on the calendar, that kind of thing. But right now, it's important to note, we don't have anything that's set. The process is going to determine when we actually go out for a bond issue. You mentioned the March date. There's there's some... You can reserve a spot on the calendar, uh, but you also can pull it off in the, at within a certain time frame. And so right now, we're not bound to anything, nor do we have any assumptions, except for making sure we don't get ourselves into trouble with our bonding capacity. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And so now would normally be the time um, for public comment. Um, we have public comment at every regular board meeting, but it doesn't, and we don't have anybody signed up, so I guess we're just going to move right along to the discussion items for the evening. Um, we have a program evaluation, a wellness update. Yes, and uh, Dr. Uh, Doug Sumner, Associate Superintendent for Human Resources, is going to present a wellness update. And Dr. Sumner, if you could, I know you have some presenters with you. Could you make sure and provide their names and their titles as well? Absolutely, I will. Good evening, everyone. Nice to see you. Um, while I hope our written report was informative, uh, for the purpose of learning more about our well-being program. Uh, we are very excited to share some of the highlights of that program with you this evening. Uh, now to ensure that we stay on schedule, I will do very little talking this evening, uh, which everyone will appreciate. But as Dr. Fulton mentioned, I'm fortunate to have some very strong partners in this endeavor with us this evening, and I'll call them up here in just a minute. But before I do, I wanted to share something with you that sometimes things just work out perfectly, um, rarely. But sometimes things work out perfectly. Uh, this evening, as I was trying to figure out how to condense about 30 minutes worth of feelings and opinions on this topic into two minutes, um, two people showed up outside of my office door unannounced, literally at about 5.20 PM this evening. And I recognize their faces as people that I see occasionally in the fitness center uh, here in our building. Um, and they kindly came in, introduced themselves, and handed me this card. And instead of me speaking more about the program, I wanted to just share the card with you with their permission. It says, to the Shawnee Mission School District, Human Resources Department, Fitness Center, Priority One, and Board of Education. For a long time, I felt the need to thank you for providing a whole person program for your employees. I especially have benefited from the Fitness Center. I've been able to uh, meet up with other colleagues to decompress and get healthy. My friend, who I'm not sure if I have permission to name or not, so I won't. Uh, my friend and myself have been using the facilities since they opened in July of 2017. Thanks to Tammy McCoy, who's with us here this evening, for helping us and staff use the equipment properly and have a strategy to meet goals each of us have. I've also been able to participate in a transformation program to incorporate um, other exercising as well. I have lost 40 pounds since February, Yahoo. Also, to be able to go to Priority One is a great addition and much needed. Thank you to the people who spearheaded all the plans and, and helped implement them. My friend and I love to invite other coworkers and tell them about the fitness center and all it has to offer. I hope this is a program that will be here for a long time and well into the future. P.S. We love the trail outside also. I live only a couple of blocks away and hear many people in the community who enjoy it very much. What a gift and something fun to look forward to. You have given all of us in the Shawnee Mission School District. Thank you as an avid fan. And, and for me, as I think about 
what our well-being initiative has meant. This is a great reflection of exactly what we're trying to accomplish, to find individuals who can find what works and what their needs are best for them and to pursue it, and all in the pursuit of being healthier and happier, which of course we know has a profound impact on not just what we do at work, although of course what we do at work, but how we live. And that is truly a gift that you have provided with your support to the well-being program. So I'm going to step aside, but I'm going to introduce first Tammy McCoy, who you know as our well-being coordinator in the school district. Tammy's going to step up and talk to you a little bit more about the fitness center, the wonderful work that's uh, being accomplished there, and a little bit more about some general um, well-being activities that we have here in the school district. Good evening. And I sure wish somebody had given me a card so that I could only have two minutes because if any of you know, this is just such a huge passion of mine, so it's very difficult to stop at two minutes. Um, but I will do my best, I promise. Um, so, like Doug had mentioned, uh, creating a culture of well-being um, for the staff and family members of Shawnee Mission School District is our mission. And, you know, the... Our goal is to provide resources to educate and um, and just to be able to offer those those programs for the staff and family members of the district. Um, so one of those starting points is offering biometric screenings. If any of you guys are unfamiliar with what a biometric screening is, it's checking those, um, you know, just the basics, uh, blood pressure, heart rate, um, cholesterol, glucose, um, body fat, things like that. So that is a program that we offer through the district for employees that are on the district medical plan. Um, and the great piece of doing that is it's a great start to get the employees that baseline to know what they need to, um, know that knowledge of their health risk factors and um, what they can do to help improve that. So we just wanted to show you some numbers on those biometric screening on that biometric screening participation. And as you can see over the years, those numbers have grown. Um, just to kind of put a percentage to these numbers, so starting in 2015 up to 2018, those numbers have ranged between 85 to 90 percent of the. Um, possible employees that could participate in those, that's 85 to 90% are participating, which is an outstanding number um, as well. And then putting that knowledge to work, um, like I mentioned, you know, receiving those results is, um, is a great way for people to start. And so that's where we put the next plan into place that we offer with the well-being program. And one of those great benefits um, is the fitness center. And last spring, we um, did a survey. We sent out a survey to members of the fitness center. And this was the result of one of the questions on the survey. It says, does using the Shawnee Mission School District Fitness Center help improve your energy level at work and at home? 92% of those people said yes. And we had about 250 people respond to this. So. That was a great number, 92% um, said that. And then of course, along with that survey, um, people had the option to provide comments. 
Um, this was a wonderful comment. The fitness center provides an incredible benefit to staff members like myself. The work we do as educators is so stressful and rarely provides time for us to take care of ourselves. Offering a benefit like this really confirms the district's interest in our personal well-being. It has been convenient and incredibly helpful. And then another question that we asked is, do you feel that your overall health has improved since joining the Shawnee Mission School District Fitness Center? And again, great percentage, 86% of those people said yes, they do feel that. Um, and again, we had that 14%, but you know, we like to look at the positive side of that. So that's where we go, okay, well, what can we do to get those 14% um, to feel that their overall health has, impro has improved? But one thing that we want to look at within that too is some of those people that answer that question, they could be in great health already. And so they're maintaining that great health and not decreasing as well. So knowing that that fitness center is helping them to maintain their health as well. And then another wonderful um, comment, this has been such a big step in my life and being able to have the convenience of coming right after work has made it possible. I would never join a regular gym, but I feel so comfortable being at our fitness center. Thank you for this benefit. And then one last one, this is the best thing that the district has done for the staff. Thank you, you guys. So I want to go back and, and think about some of those comments. The, the data is fantastic, but as much as we are proud of the numbers, uh, the sentiments expressed in those comments, I think, should ring clear for all of us. Health, personal well-being, is a very intimate subject and topic. It's, it's the knowledge is power statement that we started with is true, but it's sometimes knowledge is fearful, makes you fearful, makes you uncertain, makes you vulnerable. So I think we have to fully understand the nature of trying to make a commitment to personal well-being. And that for some people, uh, it's an issue that's been avoided for quite some time. And the fact that your employer and the people around you are encouraging and supporting you to take these steps can't be lost within the numbers. Our numbers are great. We're meeting all of our goals, meeting or exceeding all of our goals. But the fact that people are starting to trust the services that are being provided and use them in a manner that increases not only their health, but the way perhaps they feel about themselves and, and function every day is as important as anything we'll share with you this evening. Uh, the next person that I have with us is Dr. Shalonda Gray. And for those of you who don't know her, she is amazing, like every other staff member we have at Priority One. Um, they are secretly uh, embody all the characteristics of an amazing educator because they have the care, the compassion, the expertise, the ability to communicate, the ability to inspire people to change behavior. I mean, they are very much what we look for in the best teachers and, and other staff members that we have. And they are doing wonderful things for staff and the spouses and dependents of our staff in Priority One. And I would suggest that if you asked anybody about an experience they've had at the health center, uh, they would name specifically any number of the uh, staff members there that have helped them and, and provided a service that's been super important. Shalanda is going to come up and talk to you a little bit about utilization and also about patient feedback. Good evening. 62. That's how old my father was when he passed away about six years ago from complications of congestive heart failure, hypertension, 
and diabetes. He went to the doctor only when he had symptoms, and his provider never really talked to him about ways to prevent disease from progressing. Lots of patients share the same story. Why go to the doctor if I'm sick? Well, Priority One Health Clinic strives to shift this mindset from simply treating a patient's symptoms to empowering patients and providing them with the tools they need to prevent chronic ailments. And we accomplish this with longer appointments and more comprehensive medical visits, with health coaching sessions, so that patients can learn to build healthy habits and not just treat symptoms. We have an amazing staff, if I do say so myself. My name is Dr. Shalanda Gray. Dr. Amy Sackey would love to be here tonight, but she's out of town. She's our medical director. And Dr. Tyler Thomas joins us on Fridays. We have a nurse practitioner health coach, Amanda Munden, and we have two great medical assistants, Anjanae Davis, we call her AJ affectionately, and Amy Schreiner. Patients are engaged and they have loved the services offered at Priority One Health Center. And as you can see in the first slide, this is from after year one uh, in Priority One Health Clinic. Of the 2,804 employees eligible to receive services at Priority One, that is uh, employees that are on the health plan here at Shawnee Mission School District, in year one, 37% of the employees used our services. That's just after the first year. And not only the employees, but their spouses and their, children's, their children utilized our services as well, bringing the total number of spouses, children, and employees to 1,117, or 33% of the total eligible population. These patients ranged in ages from two years old to over 65 years young. I've learned to say years young now as I get younger. <laughs> <laughs> On the next slide, let's see if I can get there. On the next slide, you'll see that our patient feedback is phenomenal. Our service rating, 97.6% of patients rate our services after their visits um, as excellent. Uh, our wait time, over 98% of patients say that they had to wait less than 10 minutes. Scheduling was easy, and over 98% of uh, patients are very likely to return to the clinic. Privacy and confidentiality were maintained. Appointment times were very easy to schedule, either in, by phone or online, or sometimes they walk in clinic and we schedule them there. Um, but I think the big thing to, the last thing to leave with you is 100%, which I don't know that I've ever seen a survey with 100% rating, but 100% people are willing to recommend us to their coworkers. And I think that's the big takeaway. What we do is important, and we thank you for the opportunity to provide services to the employee staff and the administrators and their families, uh, but the fact that they're willing to tell a coworker to come and see us is, is huge. Any questions for me? Dr. Sinclair? I can wait. <laughs> Please, no, go ahead. Um, uh, Dr. Silver and the, the whole team, or Dr. Gray. Dr. Dr. Silver. Dr. Gray. One of those colors. One color. I'm sorry. One color. <laughs> random. Um, one of the figures that really jumped out on me in this report is the coaching piece. You had just you had mentioned the coaching. So the biometrics, mm -hmm. people are participating and trying to get a baseline and understand their health. And then those who are identified as at risk, there's this coaching that's offered to help people address and bring those risk factors down, which I thought was so powerful. Even just even looking at the data of those who are kind of doing it on their own and those who are coaching and the clear success around coaching. So is that 
something that's available to anyone who's participating in this Absolutely. program? I just thought that was so powerful. Absolutely. And in conjunction with our fitness center, um, utilizing their services as well, um, talking to patients about anything that could be contributing to these health concerns, not just the numbers, but why are your cholesterol numbers up? Why is your weight up? Is it stress eating? Is it anxiety? Is it, you know, all of the above? All of the, all of the above. And, and so working not just to treat the numbers, yeah. but to treat the conditions that may cause these numbers. So it's just an eligible employee would just ask for the coaching and sign up and that's how that happens. Absolutely. Just like you would make uh, an appointment with the medical provider, um, you can make an appointment with the health coach as well. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? No. No? Thank you. Truly, Priority One practices wellness in a way that you can't imagine. It's, you know, I know we often use the phrase practicing medicine, and and they are doing that as well, but the emphasis is not on treating chronic illness. That, That is a service they provide. They provide it with great expertise, but what they're really doing is trying to get proactive behaviors in place to minimize the occurrence of illness, and they're doing it at an exceptional level. When was the last time you visited your physician and spent 30 minutes face to face with them? That's what's happening in Priority One. We have, we have coaching going out specifically to the building and doing on-site coaching there. We're embedding it in uh, learning opportunities whenever we can at the building level. Those are things we're going to expand, but the emphasis, again, is on tailoring it to the individual and coaching them towards greater step to wellness and not just treating illness. And the results thus far have been exceptional. And, and as excited as we are, I promise you we are not satisfied. There is, there is more to accomplish. They, these folks are driven to do even more yet. I wanted to also introduce Erin Ethan, who is here. She's a partner of ours from CBiz and has been critical not only in the design of the health center, as, but also in its operations since we opened. Uh, our partners at Marathon Health, outside of the staff members at Priority One, have been unbelievably supportive. Lita Vanderveer, our account manager, and our project manager, David Ridley, the entire team from Marathon has been incredible in their support. So that's, that's the highlights. We'd be happy to answer any additional questions you may have from our report or anything outside of it. And my friends here will jump in as, as needed as well. Deb? I just have a comment, really, not a question, but we got a little more information than your two minutes is allowing you right. here tonight. But And some of those were the testimonials of people that had been deeply affected and their health needs identified, targeted, where their regular PCP was not aware or was not digging yeah. deep enough to find them. And that was the most impactful for me, to, to see that these folks you know, really, I mean, you save lives there, actually. I mean, it's coming to that point there. So I thank you for what you're doing. And those testimonials were just very, very heartening, I think, that we are doing the right thing for our people. And, and I appreciate you pointing that out, Deb. I would encourage people to go to Board Docs and look at the, the details of the report, but they truly are changing lives. Between what Tammy's doing and what we're doing at Priority One and the staff there, the examples we provided in our report, we had to select from dozens of others. There, there are stories just like that happening every week, every month, uh, throughout the school year with folks who are having an opportunity to experience the services available. Great. So, Thank you. Keep yeah. it up. Great work. Thank you. Uh, Patty Mack? Um, as I look through the report as well, flu shots, um, <laughs> debt counseling as part of well-being. I mean, it really is the whole person. And um, this area of uh, medicine and well-being is 
um, developing rapidly. Um, things are changing. We even talked about zero reasons why tonight as far as mental wellness, and we all know that our staff members deal with that with their students every day. Um, and this is awesome that they're getting to have the help themselves. But, I mean, looking at all this, where do we go at, from this point on? Uh, I appreciate the question. Um, you're so right. The, uh, I don't think we slow down enough to realize what our educators deal with every day. And when I say educators, I mean everyone who works in one of our facilities. They're all educators. The, the pressure, the needs of the individuals that they're serving are so high that it, it compounds, I think, the anxiety and challenges that the adult who's providing the service experiences. And for that reason alone, this has been wonderful. Um, you, you may have read over the last year or so about you know, this VUCA world concept. You know, the volatility, the uncertainty, the complexity, and the ambiguity around life in general today, and the pressure it puts on individuals. We're trying to combat all of those things through these services. Um, I think we have a handle on the physical things. I think we have a great plan in place for physical wellness, physical illness. I think we're moving in a really strong direction. Uh, we're also doing supplemental services with financial counseling and things like that. Candidly, the next thing that I'm going to be begging you for is for us to increase staffing at Priority One to include uh, behavioral services, um, social and emotional um, staff support and guidance within Priority One. Uh, we've been meeting with the City of Overland Park and the City of Olathe, who also operate Marathon Health Centers for their staff members. Uh, we're looking to partner for those services because it's probably not an expense that any of the three of us want to take on independently right now. But if even two of us could share the costs, I am certain um, that we would meet those financial uh, goals and be able to do it under the same umbrella that we're operating now in a cost avoidance strategy where we wouldn't be increasing costs, but we'd be wonderfully increasing service. It is the next realm of care and wellness that we have to subscribe to. Um, the need is there. I think we all know that. I think it's, uh, if not equal to, much exceeding the vulnerability that's associated with physical health. Uh, but when you think about what we ask our edu educators to do every day, I think you can appreciate the benefit that a service like that would provide. Um, coincidentally, the name of our health center, Priority One, comes from the fact that we understand that every day the educators who come to work in this school district are here for one purpose, and that is to serve others. Downstairs, they become the priority. They are the number one priority when they visit us as part of our well-being program. And so the health center is named Priority One to represent the service we're trying to provide them for the service they provide others. Ms. Gibbard? Um, just quickly, I appreciate all the program reports. Thank you for continuing these. I appreciate also the data behind the things that we spend money on. And I appreciate seeing the numbers behind those. So thank you for this report. It's very detailed, 28 pages long, and it is out there. So people can look at it, too, if they care to look at it. Yeah. Thank, thank you, sir. Okay, going okay. once, going twice. Thank you, Dr. Sumner. Thank you, yes. So we're moving on to the consent portion of the evening. Um, before I seek a motion to approve the items on the consent agenda, is there anyone who wants to pull something from the consent agenda? I would move approval of the consent agenda. I'll second it. Okay, so Deb moved and Sarah seconded. Mm -hmm. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Passes unanimously. And we'll move on to our action items for this evening. Um, 5.1, it's the second reading 
of the policy relating to tobacco products. Are you going to talk about that, Dr. Volner, or Sarah? I think uh, Ms. Good Mrs. Goodburn is going to provide an overview. Sure. Thank you. So, um, yes, we have the second reading tonight of 5.01, which is policy GAOC, and you can pull it up and see the changes that we've made to it. Basically, the change that we've made since the last time you saw this was brought up by um, Reverend Guy. Um, it is in the one, two, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, the second paragraph, right? So this, and here's the language. This does not include FDA-approved cessation medications such as nicotine patches or nicotine gum when used, if at all, in accordance with label directions. So, and the other um, uh, changes you had seen previously. So that's the one that we added for this second read tonight. So I would move approval. Second. Sec Okay, so um, you're tied, but we'll okay. go with Ms. Zila, or <laughs> <That's laughs> Mrs. Great. Mack. Um, all those in favor? Oh, so do we have any discussion before we vote on this? Is there any discussion? Yes, Patty. I just really want to thank um, Reverend Guy for pointing this out. I, it's, it's, um, I, don't, I know KASB want, did not have this language in it, and I hope other school districts adopt this, but that was a really good catch by Reverend Guy. Okay, well, I think we get to vote now. So, all those in favor? Aye. 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 Passes unanimously, six to zero. And we'll move on to five two, uh, approval of the next board policy. And we'll have Ms. Goodburn speak to that as well. Okay, this is JCDAA. This is the student policy that, again, has the same language, I believe, in it. It potentially is, well, it's a little bit different, actually. This does not include FDA approved cessation medications such as nicotine patches or nicotine gum when used if at all in accordance with label directions by a student who is under 18 with a prescription for such medication or by a student who is 18 or older. So it does have the age requirements in there. Okay. So I would move that, and that's the only change that we made as you saw at the first reading. So I would move approval. Second. Any discussion on that one? Okay, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Passes unanimously. Um, so I guess at this juncture we have comments from board members. Does anybody have any comments for this evening? Um, oh, Ms. Mack? <laughs> Thank you. I just have one quick one, and um, I noted in the consent agenda um, in donations that there was a generous cash donation for the lunch program. And I would just ask in the next, um, in the near future, if we could please have an update on um, the, our lunch program. Be happy to. Thank you. I know I saw a hand over here. Is Reverend Guy? Um, I'm thankful to the Policy Review Committee for making those changes in the two policies we just approved. Uh, I think it's important to let our students and faculty know that we want to support any efforts they want to make um, to uh, get away from the addiction of nicotine. And I think the, the vaping, it's more the, um, the nicotine addiction for most people um, than it is the inhaling of smoke from traditional cigarettes. And I just want to make sure that um, people know there's all kinds of resources out there available. Um, the Truth Initiative at thetruth.com has even a program where you can text Ditch Jewel. D-I-T-C-H-J-U-U-L to 887-09 and they will send you text messages to help um, 
with nicotine addiction and to, to get off of vaping. So um, I just encourage any of our students who are wrestling with that to reach out for resources and, um, and get healthy. Thanks. Deb? This may be repetitive here, but it was very exciting to be at the Kansas Teacher of the Year Banquet and see our two candidates up there, and then to have Melissa be the elementary finalist for that. She is amazing. I've had more than three people tell me she was the best teacher my kids ever had. Mm -hmm. So she is in great company. I know she's got quite a rigorous... Um, interview system to go through yet for the for the finalist or for the um, teacher of the year in November. So we wish her all the luck in the world. And um, we were very well represented. I don't think we've ever had a teacher of the year win from Shawnee Mission. No, yeah, Karen, yes, we did. Karen Jonathan did. Farrell. And Karen. Karen, mm -hmm. But was she before our time or was she while we were no, on the board? No, she was right, right when we came on When the board. we came on, yeah. okay. Well, it's been a, it's been a, yeah. a little Darth there. Well, we'll we're just and, and very Ron glad Poplo. to be back in Ron the picture. Ron as well. Ron Poplo. He won the National Teacher of the Year. But that was... That was right before us. Right, okay. Anyway, it was an exciting night and um, we were very well represented by our teachers there. Um, if nobody else has a comment, I have a comment. Um, I've gotten a couple inquiries since the school year started and it is my understanding after talking to Dr. Fulton that we do have gun locks available in the buildings if that is something that you need at home. Um, we are, we distribute them and no questions, you can just come and ask at the buildings for that. So, And, and Chief Douglas PSA. is always available if anybody has any questions on that or needs some help. Okay. Well, I think that... Um, just about wraps it up, so I'll turn it over to Ms. Mack to make a motion to put us into executive session. Okay. Um, I move we go into executive session to discuss negotiations pursuant to the exception for employer-employee negotiations under COMA, and the board will reconvene in the boardroom at... Um, Dr. Fulton said we needed 30 minutes. Do you want a five-minute break? So that would... Make, we would. Yeah, I would like a five-minute okay. break. That's and so we will um, uh, reconvene at 8 p.m., Sounds good. Second. Okay, that was Deb seconded. Yes. Okay, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. That was unanimous. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll have another session at. Okay. I'll yes. But we won't be doing any more business when we come back from the second session, so there won't be anything to.